And your typical startup founding team profile is a CTO, a CEO, and a CFO. Well, if you're going to look at impact, you are advised to include people with a background in psychology, sociology, data science or data analytics with a lens on the social fabric of the stakeholders you're impacting because they can both bring the language of impact as well as the insights into the demographics and how this technology is going to benefit or hurt any particular demographic. Welcome to VC Evolve podcast, conversations about the future of VC. Our guest today is Rama Shakaki, partner at Transform VC. Rama is a Syrian-American impact tech founder, investor, and philanthropist with 30 years of experience in media, telecom, edtech, fintech, and AI. Before Transform VC, Rama worked as a VC at Turn8. She also founded and led Baraka Ventures and Baraka Advisors. As a founder, Rama co-founded Keybridge, Edseed, Baraka Bits, Mint and Laurel, and iAnimations. She is a founding member of the Arab Women in Computing and Women Angel Investment Network, Wayne. In addition to her VC role, Rama runs an edtech nonprofit, VIP.fund, supporting youth impacted by conflict. Rama, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for uh, hosting me. I really appreciate it. Rama, on, on your LinkedIn profile, you say investing in US-based tech with social and climate impact. Can you tell us more about the social causes that you focus on at Transform VC? Sure. So let me clarify that we we don't see them as causes as much as we see them as an alignment on the mission. So technology is uh, there to serve a particular aspect, a social aspect or uh, a climate aspect. And in this case, you know, we typically, when we're looking for impact, a social impact, we we look for what is wrong with society, let's say, uh, from a health perspective, from an educational perspective, and how does technology come in and help address that and correct it? And that might be an exclusion of a certain demographic from the health sector or from the education sector, it might be even an exclusion from the development of AI. And, you know, you want to make sure that AI is inclusive for all. And so that to us becomes the social impact. And when we think of impact, we think of what is that one metric that a founder is going to articulate and measure throughout the life of the company and make sure that they continue to improve that social impact over the life of the company in parallel to ensuring that the company is financially successful. Can we take a step back and talk about the evolution of impact investing? When did it all start? And can you give us more examples on impactful versus non-impactful companies that you've, you've seen, not necessarily you invested in or passed on? Certainly. Impact investing has been around for quite some time. And I I can speak to some examples of it that were earlier on. For example, Mr. Muhammad Yunus, who was a banker in Bangladesh, and he looked at the return rates of loans that the rich people were getting and returning the money to the banks versus the poor people, and saw that 
return rates from the poorer communities were higher. So they, they were able to receive the loan and then pay it back at a, at a higher rate than the richer community. And so he established micro lending and microfinance to support poorer communities and therefore made banking a lot more inclusive than it had been because it was excluding these demographics from receiving loans. And so with that, we saw a great example of social impact. And then investors there started looking for companies that were, or founders that are looking to disrupt traditional systems in that way by turning the proposition towards a different customer base or uh, looking for a different outcome. And typically, social impact requires the founder to measure by two bottom lines. They measure the return of funds or the return on investment that, they're, that they have monetarily, but they also measure the return on investment socially. So when we have looked at companies in the tech sector and decided to pass, we were, for example, looking at AI development within the pharmaceutical sector. And we would ask the founders, who will you be selling the outcome of this product to? And the answer was at one point, well, big pharmaceuticals. We said, well, can you see any way in which you're going to make these innovations accessible to the poorer communities that are excluded today from affording medical drugs? And the answer was no, our focus is selling to the big pharma constituency. So we had to pass, even though that was a great financial opportunity, but it perpetuates that problem of a lot of money going to pharma, a lot of outcome is you know, making pharmaceutical executives richer, but the people who need the medicine that's, that's being delivered aren't served. And so that's, that was not a, a sound investment from our perspective of investing in, a, in an AI platform serving pharma, but not serving the poor people who should be included. I keep hearing these terms, ESG, SRI, and then impact investing. Are they the same or is there any difference between these terms? Depending on who you talk to, it could be that it's the United Nations that came up with one term or another to comply with the general similar concept. They're, they all aim at making sure that there's an environmental impact, there's a social impact, and that there is governance within organizations to ensure compliance with certain environmental and social standards. Impact investing is no different. It is when investors decide that companies that we invest in must have a bottom line, either environmental or social or both in addition to having a good financial return. If I give you some companies' names and let me know if, if you think they're impactful or not. For example, is Uber an impactful company? I would want to reserve judgment on existing companies out there. First, impact has to be a holistic approach. So when you're looking at impact, you cannot positively impact one community at the expense of another. So I can't be saying, okay, my, my company's impactful because... I've created more jobs, but then it's not impactful because I'm taking advantage of a certain population and giving them low wages. I'm not saying Uber does that. I'm saying I don't know what their impact thesis is. But in general, when you are looking at companies and, and discussing impact with them, you have to really look at their entire supply chain. You have to evaluate the impact from 
the perspective of all of the stakeholders in their community. And you can't have one being impacted positively at the expense of the other. We typically have to look at the company and say, okay, if it's an ad tech company, is it offering their solution equitably to everybody? And it, are the investors also benefiting? And are they still ensuring that no child is left behind? It's not just you know favoritism or a skewed business model that affects positively one way and negatively the other. Yeah, I love that. Is there a difference in returns for impact-driven VC funds versus non-impact-driven VC funds? Yeah, so historically, impact investing was synonymous with patient capital. All of the impact general partners or you know, those who ran ran impact funds used to advise their investors that you have to expect that your capital is not going to be returned quickly, that you have to be patient with it. You might expect a 12% return over I don't know how many years. But I believe that with the advancements of tech, this is changing. There is a way in which technology, particularly you know, deep tech, AI, companies with network effects can have an aggregate financial return, an outlier financial return with outlier impact without compromise. But that has to be very deliberately thought through at the beginning of the life of this organization to ensure all of the points that we said earlier. If I talk about startups now, do impact startups require more capital or it's similar to other startups in the market? Yeah, I don't believe they're any different. And mm. and I feel that they could, it, it really purely depends on what it is that they're building, right? Some industries require more investment than others because there's more R&D or there's hardware. or But adding that impact bottom line does not necessarily require additional funding. What it does require is possibly additional strategy work up front and more collaborative work beyond the typical tech company executive team. So let's say, you know, this industry tech has been around, it has been around for a long time and your typical startup founding team profile is a CTO, a CEO and a CFO. Well, if you are going to look at impact, you are advised to include people with a background in psychology, sociology, data science or data analytics with a lens on the social fabric of the stakeholders you're impacting because they can both bring the language of impact as well as the insights into the demographics and how this technology is going to benefit or hurt any particular demographic. And usually social scientists can help you identify these changes over time and build them into your strategy or build rather the positive aspects into your social strategy. And that's something that we hadn't seen enough of in the past in, in tech investing. I would love if social social media companies do something like this instead yes. of bringing psychologists to create addictive products. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Rather than focus on the addiction, 
why not focus on the long-term return of adding value to the lives of the people that are on these platforms and what a difference this would make because instead of wanting to just abandon these platforms because of how negative they are you'd actually attract more people because they are adding value definitely so you mentioned ai as one of the deep tech that would help create an impact correct me if i'm wrong i, I can think of uh, other technologies like for example blockchain and web3 which decentralized access to technology and removes the middleman and a lot of other advantages what other deep tech that you can think of that can help create an impact so certainly i mean we need to look at robotics we need to look at material science with robotics it can go both ways and again depending on the company and how thoughtful they are at the beginning of their life they can direct the advancements of robotics to something positive or something not so positive for humans but has a great financial return i'll give you a great positive example of robotics all of the different utilities that are designed to support people with paralysis or people with difficult mobility they who can can aid workers in in factories or rather extend their working life beyond a certain injury or beyond you know an age limitation so why should i retire someone who's 50 just because oh now they cannot be mobile enough to carry this or lift that but rather i can have an aid to them that's a robot and this way you're empowering your workforce rather than retiring them and replacing them so we look at things like that and think mm -hmm. of all of the what if scenarios that can aid people offer them more safety uh like like firemen for example and what kind of robotics would be able to keep firemen out of harm's way but also ensure that there's continuity and uh, support for their livelihood Okay, Rama, moving on to other topics. So you are part of Global Women and VC. Can you tell us more about this community and how it's helping get more women into venture? Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. And I'm part of several networks that support bringing more women into venture. That has it's one of them. There's The Bridge, which is founded by a member of our community and a founder who also received funding from us to further her startup. But all of these organizations are trying to address the challenge that only 15% of Czech writers today are women. And that's a really low number. And because there are only 15% uh, of the VC ecosystem who are women writing checks and a lesser percentage who are actively managing venture capital firms, then the investment in women is minuscule. It's very small. And it's known that people invest in people who look like them because they understand them more. And so the lack of investment in women can only be changed if you have far more female representatives in the venture capital community. And that can only happen with awareness. So every time someone like me goes out and speaks and says, here's an industry that needs women, it's inviting, there are a lot of opportunities in it, then we get more growth. So all of these organizations are intending to connect women, enable them to collaborate more, and enable them to find ways to bring a younger and wider generation of VC women in, into the industry. 
I can also add to the numbers you mentioned, only 15% of Czech writers are women. They only manage 3% of all venture dollars out there, which is Correct. ridiculous. It's, it is. Yeah. And even, you know, on top of all that, when women founders get funded by women VCs, they are two times less likely to get funding from other VCs because they think of the attribution bias. They assume that those founders got funded because of their gender, not because they're really good. Yeah. And, and how, can is... we, how, how can we solve these issues? I mean, I know we can't solve everything now, but how can we think about these problems? Well, I think, I think the easiest way is to keep drawing on examples from other industries where people can no longer imagine the industry not having women. For example, medicine. I don't know if you know that it took um, us 100 years to have 40% female doctors. So from the time that the first female doctor graduated with a medical degree, it took us 100 years for us to actually have uh, almost equitable distribution, male to female. But can you imagine today the medical field without women? It's it's unimaginable. Of course not. Yeah. So that's the same exact approach here. You know, we, the industry has been around for seventy years. The VC industry, uh, you know, seventy four or something, and yet we still have three four percent representation. So, what can we do to hyper grow that and not wait? another however many years to actually have that many females participate. Well, I think one way is, is awareness raising. And I really appreciate you hosting me on your platform because the more people hear this story, the more people can come in. Second is to have a lot of educational programs. There's a perceived barrier that you can't get in because, whatever that because is. And we need to break down these barriers through ongoing education. And the third is there's also even at very, very young ages and almost a, a disability in the education system of not supporting people becoming more aware of financial sustainability and financial growth. And I think if you start much earlier on and show young ladies as early as age 13 that they have a career path in becoming a money manager by explaining the basics of money management for when they're young, then that becomes available to them when they grow older. Role models help, but also that one-on-one -on -one education as a father, as a teacher, as a mother, showing your daughters that this is a path is, is critical. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Rama, I want to move to another section in my podcast where I ask regular questions to almost every guest, and I want to get your take on, on these questions. What do you think of the current VC model? Any thoughts at all? Is it efficient? Is it broken? Is there any room for improvements? Is there room for innovation? There's tremendous room for innovation. I think as, a, as an industry that funds AI so heavily, we really don't use AI sufficiently for our own benefit and the benefit of the founders that we speak to. I think there needs to be a, an accountability and a process for that accountability with founders because there's a lot of wasted time. Founders are constantly pitching and it takes, I don't know, maybe a hundred pitches sometimes to get to the right VC. So there needs to be from a founder's perspective, an easy way to get to VCs that doesn't require you to present your idea a hundred times or more. And then I also think that 
we're still too limited in our reach as far as in, like mainstream industries are known and easy to navigate. So we don't have enough media that focuses on how people can get in and out of the VC world relatively easily. Uh, so I think all of these issues are key. And last but not least, I think that compliance matters that VCs in Europe and other places have. I, I know a lot of my colleagues think it's a negative because they don't want compliance. But I also think that... You're asking for more regulations on venture capital. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and for me, it's, it's the ones that ensure that we do spend extra time looking at social and climate impact. I don't necessarily want crippling regulations, but I'd like to elevate our standards by saying, look, you, you must address the impact thesis properly and not be satisfied with, oh, the founder is a woman or the founder is black. Okay, done. We're done with impact. That's not enough. You have to really look at the business models and see whether the founders you know, of color or, or, or female are actually benefiting their communities in any way. And how do you see the future of the VC industry in general and the VC as as an asset class and as a, as a business model in the next five, maybe to 10 years? I imagine it's going to continue to grow substantially, especially in emerging markets or in markets where there's an issue with job creation for a, a very large young demographic where the only opportunity is not going after existing jobs, but starting up companies where they need capital to start up with these companies. And so whether it's places like Saudi or the United Arab Emirates or other countries with similar demographics, there needs to be a lot more VC investments. And there are definitely a lot of ideas. But even in the States, the more new fields come up, the more you need those bold funders who are going to go out there and say, okay, I'll take a chance and invest in this novel idea or these novel industries. Before we end, I would love it if you can share more about the VIP fund and the work you're doing to support youth impacted by conflict. Thank you very much. Yeah, the VIP fund is a US-based charity. We're a 501c3 focused on higher education. It was born after several visits that I had to uh, refugee camps where I looked at the demographic and saw about 70% unemployment. And I was thinking, you've got the education, the young men and women are going to school, but they're not able to get employment. And so here I thought the first thing we need to do is provide an online education that can help create online jobs for them. And so we started out with digital programs, everything from digital marketing to you know, web development and others. And then by extension, started also funding higher education because the more wars there were in the Middle East and the more conflicts there are, the more there are students without access to funding for their higher education. We focus more on technical fields like AI, like data science, like computer engineering, but we also address some humanities that are scarcely available in those populations and are required and, and people can get jobs locally. So, you know, whether it's medicine or speech therapy or some other type of sought after degree. And we've supported about 6,000 students and, and hopefully we'll continue to support that many more. I know that many of the people who help in, in that fund are volunteers. 
and you crowdfund to raise the yes. money needed for everyone in there. Where can we go to participate in funding those projects and those students? Sure. So if you would like to volunteer with us, uh, you can visit our website at vip.fund. And there's a volunteer button that you can click on the homepage. And then if you'd like to support our crowdfunding platform is edseed.me. That's E-D, uh, seed.me. And there you can see the students' profiles. You can filter their profiles by location or degree and fund the student that your heart feels compelled to fund. Awesome. Rama, is there anything you want to mention that I didn't ask you about? I love what you're doing, and thank you so much for hosting me. And I'd love to see more attention on bringing VCs to talk about their work and and hopefully expand our reach, our collective reach. Great. Well, with that, Rama Shakaki, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.